there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Fantastic. Well, it's my honor as always to be able to speak to you this morning and... uh, Today, we're part three of our series, which is called The Presence. Everyone say presence. Presence. That is the reason we're here, by the way. I hope it is anyway. I mean, you you, you can think of other reasons for coming to church, maybe the tea and coffee. But the truth is, you could have that in your kitchen at home. You you may say you come to church to see other people, but you could see us down the pub. There is a reason that you're coming to church that supersedes all those things. And I think it's this, the presence. There's something we have here you just don't get anywhere else. When we come together and we lift up God and we focus in on Jesus, he is with us. And there's a presence in that that is transformational. It just changes your life. Whether you are three and in the other room or 103 and in this room, The presence is why we're here. And that's why we call our services encounter services, by the way. Not just Sunday services. We call them encounter services because we're expecting an encounter with the presence. We're expecting something to break out in this room and in our hearts that is transformational, spiritually transformational. Okay, So that our old bodies that are a bit tired and our minds that are full of the stuff that's going on in the world... For just a few hours, the Spirit overcomes those things. And we're elevated to a place where we're able to experience God and see things from his point of view. Sometimes we let our bodies get in the way. Oh, you know, sometimes we're a bit tired. But we're not led by the our bodies, and the Bible doesn't tell us to be led by our mind. It tells us to be led by the Spirit. So when we're led by the Spirit, what happens? Our bodies fall in line, our minds fall in line, and when we're led by the Spirit, it draws us into the presence of God. And I want to talk to you today about the power of the presence. Uh, Can God do anything? No. Okay. I I was tricking you. I was tricking you. The answer is actually no. God can't do anything. It reminded me of this question. (laughs) Can God make a rock he can't lift up? Has anybody ever asked you that question before? It's one of those sort of questions I get if I go into schools sometimes with kids, you know, like, ah, I've got you, Christian. Can God create a rock he can't lift? Well, the answer is an interesting one. God cannot do anything, okay? That's, that's not good theology. God can do anything that is, A, consistent with his will, and B, consistent with his character, okay? So those are the two provisos. A, it's got to be consistent with his will. If it's consistent with his will, God can do anything. If it's consistent with his character, God can do anything. So what does that mean God can't do? Well, for example, God can't lie. Why? Because that would be inconsistent with his character. God's not going to make a rock he can't lift because he's not consistent with his will. He's just not bothered about making a lift. 
a rock you can't lift, okay? So can God do anything? I was tricking you a little bit. Well, not really. God can do anything that is consistent with his will and consistent with his character. And what do we know about the character of God? We know that he is just and true and faithful and gracious. If you look at all of the attributes of God in the Bible, you begin to form a picture of the kind of God that we follow, the kind of God that we serve and worship. And then that helps you to understand his will. And when you come to understand who God is and you understand his will, and then you start to pray, knowing who he is and knowing his will and knowing his character, you stop asking God for silly things. Does he, does he God's not going to answer the prayer that I've prayed probably more than any other prayer, which is make me a millionaire. <laughs> He's probably not going to answer that prayer. All right? Why? Not because he can't, but because it's not really consistent with his will or his character. God's not just all about making me rich and happy. God has far bigger things that he's trying to do in the world than make me fulfill all the desires of my flesh. Does that make sense? So God can do anything in line with his will and his character. So within that context, God's power is infinite, unlimited. If God wants to do something, he can do that thing. If God wills something to be, it will happen. God's power is infinite. It's unlimited. Here's a few verses that tell us about this in the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 27 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? The prophet Jeremiah there who's asking that question understands that God's power, God's reach is unlimited. He's going, is anything too hard for the Lord? He's not actually asking us that question for us to think about things that are too hard for God. He's just asking that question rhetorically, saying, is, God, is, God, is there anything that's too hard for God to do? Of course there isn't. Of course there's not. If God wants something to be, it will be. God's reach is infinite and unlimited. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because when we're worshiping, and when we invite God's presence into this room, okay, that's, that's what we're inviting into the room. The reach, the infinite reach of God, the power. That's, sometimes when we think about inviting the presence of God into this room, we go to peace and love, don't we? We go to peace and love, but we often forget the power that we're inviting into the room. Are you with me? Okay. God's presence feels great. The peace, the love. But I want to lift your faith this morning because when we invite God into this place, when we invite God to move in his presence among us, we are also inviting the infinitely unlimited, powerful God into this room with us as well. And that means something. There's something really important that we need to grasp about that. And often the church has forgotten it because we like the peace bit and we like the lovey-dovey bit and we love the forgiveness bit. But we've often forgotten the power bit that comes into the room when God's here. So I'm going to preach to you this morning on the power bit because I don't think we focus on it enough. Is that all right? And we're Pentecostals as well in this church, okay, which means we believe the power of God is not something that just belongs in the distant past, but is real today. It is real today. It's with us today. God is still powerful. God is 
not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still moving powerfully, miraculously, supernaturally today in the church and in the world. And that's what we believe. We don't believe that stopped uh, 2,000 years ago with the death of the apostles, which is what some people believe. We don't believe that. We believe God is still working miraculously and powerfully because he, he can't not. He is, is anything too hard for the Lord? The prophet is trying to inspire the people to, to, to raise their faith level. He's saying to the people of Israel, is anything too hard for the Lord to try and provoke a response, to get them to go, well, no. Well, then, how do we live then? Well, with faith. Nothing's too hard. Don't be scared. Don't move forward in despair. Move forward with faith, believing God can do anything in line with his will and his character, he's going to do it. Are you with me? Here's another verse. Angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, with God, oh, I got the wrong one there, Kit. Never mind. Uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, with God, nothing. Say nothing. Nothing, nothing will be impossible. And that's in answer to Mary's question, which is, how exactly am I going to have a baby if I'm not married? And God says, nothing will be impossible for God. If it's in line with his will and his character, even if it's impossible by human standards and by the laws of physics and the laws of baby making, if it's God's will, his reach is not too short, his power not too small. He is infinitely and unlimited. Uh, Paul says, go to that verse you just had up there, Kit. Paul says that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And Jesus said this to the disciples, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. God's power is unlimited and infinite. And that's who's in the room. When we invite God in, that's who's coming in. This unlimited, powerful, infinite God whose reach is not too short. He's the one who's in the room. Now, I want to give us some examples of God using his power in the Bible just to inspire you. Are you with me? Say yes if you're with me. Okay. Come on, stay awake. Here we go. Uh, here's some examples of God using infinite power in the Bible. Number one, he used his infinite power to create from nothing. In Latin, there's a word for this, ex nihilo. It means from nothing, literally from nothing God created. Now, you and I can create, but we create from something, usually. Okay, we create a paper airplane. We've already got the paper. We've got the design. We create the paper airplane. Okay, that's a really simple example. But everything that's been created since God created from nothing has always been created from something. Only God created from nothing. And that means nothing, by the way. Literally nothing. No forces, no gravity, no laws of physics, no mathematics, no matter, no energy, no time. God spoke and created from nothing. It tells us in the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and verse 1, beginning of the Bible, that in the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. I just want you to reflect on that for a moment and imagine the power necessary to make that happen. The power necessary to create from nothing everything that exists. The power to birth a universe. The immense power that went into this concept that we can only describe as the Big Bang, which was this incredible flash of light and energy billions of years ago in the universe that came from nothing. Previous to that point, there was no universe like we know it. Previous to that point, there was no time, no laws of physics, no forces, no matter, no planets. And in a moment, in a moment, there was this flash. And everything came into existence that we now know. The scientists are trying to figure out, well, what caused that? Where did that come from? The Bible says in the beginning, God. God spoke. And the power of God, if it's in his will and consistent with his character, if he wants to do it, he can do it. Universe. Thank you very much. Planet Earth. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Literally, this is God. He, he, he's clicking a finger, really. He's speaking a word. He's going, I want this. <laughs> power. Power. Unlimited. That's who we're inviting in the room. When we invite the presence of God in. That kind of power. Sometimes we read these passages in the Bible so quickly, but it's good to just pause, isn't it, occasionally, and just try and take it in. And our brains are too small to take it in, but try and just reflect on the immense power that God has. You see, uh, William Lane Craig is a guy that I listen to a fair bit. He's a philosopher, scientist type guy. And he, he says this, in order for that to happen at creation, God must be timeless. Timeless. He isn't restricted by time. He must be immeasurably powerful. He must be timeless. He must be immeasurably powerful. There's another one. And he must be spaceless. He must be spaceless. He must be imaginably powerful. He must be an infinite in knowledge. That was the other one. Right? God is an infinitely wise and intelligent mind. <coughs> That's how to think about God. Okay, because God isn't, isn't physical like you and I. He's a, he lives as spirit. He's an unembodied, massively intelligent mind with enormous power. That's God. Who restricts himself in some respects to live in us. <laughs> but who came in body, bodily form in Jesus Christ. He's the God that we can see. Jesus is God that we can see. Okay. You'll never actually see God. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians, no one has seen God. Okay, why? Because he's spirit. He's spirit. But in Jesus, we see God. It's great. Cool, isn't it? So, how have we seen God's infinite power in the Bible? In creation. Ex nihilo, God creating from 
nothing. Next, we see God giving birth to life like his own. This tells us, going on in Genesis, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God just breathed into a body and gave his life to mortal human beings. God just had to breathe. And we had a soul. A soul. A mind. Emotions. Intelligence. Consciousness. This ability to choose, have a will, and decide for ourselves. These are things that you find in the image of God that God gave to us in a breath. I want you to think about that for a moment. God wanted it. God willed it. And God did it. So I can only imagine those earliest human beings, those earliest homo sapiens, and God just going, and them just in a moment, life. All God has to do is breathe. And that's who we're inviting into this room, by the way. That's who we're inviting in. We're inviting in that kind of power for God to just be able to go and life emerges. And by the way, I've written a book about it. In uh, There's a day coming. <laughs> there's a day coming. There's a day coming when this dead man, God will go and Mike's back. My son, Jackson, we were chatting about this the other day because he keeps asking about things. We read the Bible with him most nights. It's, a, it's the Minecraft Bible, and we've got a superhero Bible. Anyway, we're reading the Bible, and we're talking about this, and, 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 and this is how he said it. He said, God, when, when we go to heaven, he said, well, when we die, sorry, he said, will I just respawn in heaven? <laughs> respawn. So he's taking this, like, the language of games, you know, like you respawn in Minecraft or you respawn in Fortnite or whatever the game is that he plays. He's, he's, got, he's, he's equated it to what he plays. So when he gets new lives on his games, he's going, is that what will happen? Or I just respawn in heaven? I went, that's exactly what will happen. You're, that's exactly what will happen. You will respawn on that day. He goes, oh, okay then. And then he also said, you're going to do it first, Dad, because you're the oldest. That's what he said. Oh, thanks. I am the oldest, that's true. You, but you first. Yeah, okay. The next time we, well, there's loads of times in the Bible where we see God in his infinite power. But the next time on my notes is this. He delivers people, his people, from oppression and slavery. In Egypt, it says this. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. God is watching what's going on in Egypt, and the people, his people, are being treated horrendously there, 
And in line with his will and in line with his character, he begins to perform miraculous, supernatural events upon the powers of Egypt to release his people. Have you seen the prince of Egypt? Yeah, okay. We've probably seen the prince of Egypt. And through these miracles that God begins to display before Pharaoh, God begins to move and change the situation. They are demonstrations of power. And I just want to say to you, God in demonstrations of power can still break chains. He can still break the chains of addiction in your life. He can still break habits. He can still break guilt. He can still destroy the slave drivers that keep you going to those same old places. God can still do that today. When we invite him into the room, anything is possible. For God, nothing is impossible. Are you with me this morning? If you remember, this is who we're inviting in the room. The God who did that to Egypt is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that we invite into the room today. He used his infinite power to part the Red Sea. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. This is, again, just an incredible demonstration of God's power making a path, making a way where there was no way before. God still does that. God still makes paths. God still makes paths where there are no paths. He still makes a way where there is no way. He is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's still powerful. His reach is still enough to be able to part whatever obstacles are in front of us, whatever mountains may be in our way, whatever impossible things we may think, now we're not getting over there. Still a God. And I want you to, when you're facing those things in life that you think there's no way, I want you to replace that thought there's no way with. There's still God. There's still God. There's still God. He still has the power. He still has the power. He's not weaker today than he was however many years ago. He's not any weaker. He's not any less involved. He doesn't care any less. And now you are his people. We are his people. And God is looking to make a way for us as a church to make a way in this community, to make paths where there weren't previously paths. And he can do it. I want to tell you that in the, another story in the Bible where God used his infinite power was the famous conquering of the walls of Jericho. It tells us in Joshua, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed and everyone charged straight in and they took the city. This is an incredible story. You know, ar- archaeologists have discovered the original Jericho. Did you know that? They've, they've found the original Jericho. They've found stones that would have been the walls of Jericho. And here's what they discovered. They discovered something really interesting. In most old um, archaeological, ar- ar- in old, old sites where... <laughs> God. You, you take, yeah. yeah. Uh, most, most of them, the walls have fallen inwards where the invading armies have knocked the walls down as they've pushed into the city to overcome it. But Jericho stands out as being different from all the others because the walls fell outwards. 
And the archaeologists are going, well, why did that happen? It's incredible, isn't it? God demonstrated his power to break down the strongest resistance, the most powerful strongholds, and the most stubborn problems, and he still can today. God can break down the strongest resistance. You may know somebody who does not believe in God, and they are strongly resistant. I want to tell you today, God's not too short to save. His reach can reach even there. The Apostle Paul stands as a great testimony of that, you know. Like, he was not just anti-God. He was persecuting the Christians. And God reached to him. God can reach to your family member. God can reach to your friend. God can. He's powerful enough. One day, this is crazy, in the book of Joshua, chapter 10, Joshua prayed in a battle because he didn't quite have long enough to win the battle. The sun was going down. So he says this. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon. And moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still. And the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Josiah. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Now that's in the Bible. But you know, there are other books from around about that time that describe the sun not going down like it should have done. God is that powerful. In the book of Chronicles, they've built the temple. The temple we built on the stage a few weeks ago with the kids and uh, destroyed again. It says this, when Solomon finished praying, dedicating the temple... Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever." God demonstrated the awesomeness of his presence such that every person in the room couldn't help but bow the knee and they couldn't do anything else. The power had arrived. Not just the love. The love arrives and we carry on. The peace arrives, we carry on, but the power arrived and they were like, whoa. That's who's in the room. Lastly, you know the miracles of Jesus Christ. He had the power to turn water into wine. He healed the sick. He released people from spiritual captivity to demonic powers. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He caused the food to keep replenishing itself until everyone had eaten. He produced a coin in the mouth of a fish. He gave sight to the blind. He walked on water. Basically, if it shouldn't happen, Jesus did it to show that God has power to do anything in line with his will and his 
character is going to do it. He's unlimited. He's infinite. And when we pray, Holy Spirit, God, come into the room. Let us encounter your presence. That's the power that's entering the room. Oh, now that, that should change the way you and I pray. Our prayers are too often limp and, and weak. And, oh, God, if you could, if maybe you could, you can. That's not an issue of whether he can or can't. We just got to get some expectation and some faith. So, when you get a revelation of God's power displayed in the Bible, suddenly your own impossibles don't look so impossible anymore. They don't. How do we access the power of the presence? Guys, you can come and join me now. How do we access the power of the presence? Number one, prioritize the presence. That's the main thing. The presence is the main thing. That's why we're here. Prioritize the presence. Make room for the presence in your life. Two, believe God at his word. Believe him. Trust him. Have faith in him. Number three, talk to him about your needs every day. What is it you need from God? Believe on him for your needs. He will provide. And four, keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. That's how we unleash the power of God. We prioritize the presence. We believe God as his word. We talk to him about our needs. And we keep coming back. And I can't promise that God will do everything that you want him to do. Because it has to be in line with his will. I can't promise it will always be God's will to do everything you think you want him to do. But I can promise this, is that when we humble ourselves, he hears the true desires of our hearts. And he will probably end up giving us better and more than we actually think we need. He does things beyond our imagination. And as a church, I'll finish by saying this. There are three things that really unleash the power of God in a church. Three things. They are unity. God blesses unity. When there's unity. When we're for one another. We're on one another's side. Together. Agreed. Not at odds fighting. But when we're agreed together. That is a massive, massive, it's like, for God, that's like a magnet. It attracts him. I've got to be there where there's unity. That's where God commands his blessing. The second thing is hunger. Hunger unleashes the power of God. And more often than not, we're just not hungry enough. But when we're hungry and we call out to God and there's unity, that's when God unleashes his power in a church and in a community. And the third thing, and we'll talk more about this next week, when we honor him, when there's worship, when there's honor for God. The Bible tells us there was one time when Jesus struggled to do miracles. It was when he went to his hometown, Nazareth, and everybody said, you're just the carpenter's son. There was no honor in their lips. They reduced Jesus down instead of exalting him for who he was. And the result was, he could only heal a few sick people. The issue was a lack of honor. Not 
a lack of God's power. God had the power. There was a lack of honor. So when we gather together in unity and we're hungry and we honor the Lord, we can expect God to do what he will do through and in us. We can unleash the power of God. So that's who's in the room. That's who's in the room. The God that did all that stuff, he's the one in the room.